Welcome to Windsor Christian Fellowship Church Podcast. Our church vision is to win generations to Christ, connect them to His master plan, empower them to succeed, and grow the kingdom of God. For other podcast resources or more information about Windsor Christian Fellowship, please visit us at www.wcf.ca. Okay, so we've been talking about the craziness of Christmas, but before I go there, how many of you ever go to the movies? Some of you? So, quick question. When you go to the movies, I know sometimes people like to get there after the million previews, but do you show up 15 minutes after the content of the movie has started? And then, right at the end of the movie, when it gets to the best part, how many of you leave 15 minutes before it's done? None of you? Did anyone see Avengers, Endgame, you know, the final fight scene, and you said, oh, but time to go, I gotta leave? Some of you don't know what Avengers Endgame is. (laughs) The last time my kids dragged me out to see a Marvel movie, I saw people sitting there watching the credits. Like, why are you watching the credits? Well, sometimes they put a cut scene in at the end. And they sit there and watch the credits. I mean, the movie's over, people are leaving, but then there's the faithful that just sit there and go, maybe there'll be a cut scene. I want to encourage you. Praise and worship prepares your heart for the presence of God. Praise and worship prepares your heart for the ministry of the word. Snow happens, life happens, we all show up late sometimes. But if you're consistently running 20 or 30 minutes behind, we need to change something inside of our life or we need to adjust our priorities. Which means you might not be able to stay out till 2 o'clock in the morning on Saturday night if you want to try to be at church for 11 instead of 11.30. Just try 1.30, it'll work better. Some of you are like, what do you mean two? It was four. (laughs) I'm going to suggest I do my best to respect your time. I really do. If we say the service starts at 11 and ends at 12.30, I want the service to start at 11 and end at 12.30. If someone takes an element a little bit longer, a little bit shorter, we'll have a conversation later about that because I really feel that I want to respect and honor you and your time. Is that fair? But I would like you to do the same when you come to church. It's really God's time. It's not me, but it's Him. But at the end of the day, I want you to get the most that God has for you, and I want you to get the full revelation that He has for you on a week-in, week-out basis. And some of you, when you truncate worship, it doesn't give your heart a proper time to prepare for the ministry of the word that's going to come forth. And then sometimes you run out at the best part when we're getting ready to go to the Lord's Supper or we're getting ready to do some of the other things that we do at the end. So I would value and appreciate it. Everyone could just make an effort to try to get here closer to the time that the service starts and then just wait till we dismiss at the end before we run out the door. Where the confusion comes in is I have ministry team members such as people at the information center and the cafe and different ones. They have to run out at a certain point of the service to go to their post so they can be there when the service gets out. I expect that and understand that they're going to be doing that. And there's no stress on them to stay later than they need to because they're supposed to be there. They're serving. But I think what happens is sometimes we see them and we want to just jump in and run out real quick. So the other thing I'll say is if you have to have another engagement right after church, schedule it 10 minutes later so that you can stay for five minutes and shake hands with people. Participate in community. Get to know some people. Oh, come on, don't look at me like that. (laughs) 
shake a few people's hands, hang out, don't have to run out the door. I mean, it'll be okay, I promise you'll get there. Anyway, I just wanna encourage you with that. But I do, I do value and respect all of you, and I do value and respect your time, but I also uh, would like to respect what the Holy Spirit would like to do during our services, and we do our part to keep it within the timeline that we've given. So I'd like you to do your part to try to respect the timelines as well, if we could do that. How many say that's fair? All right, the last time I talked about that uh, was towards the end of the service and one of my friends had just stepped up and he was walking, I goes, were you talking to me? I was like, absolutely, I saw you get up and I had to address everybody. (laughs) I'm not talking to anyone in particular. So we've been talking about the craziness of Christmas and how many know the season gets a little bit exciting sometimes? How many know this is the time of year when everybody thinks that their time is more valuable than everybody else's? You know, you're going to drive on the roads later and people are going to cut you off because it's more important for them to be in front of you because their time is more important than your time. None of you drive that way though, right? (laughs) See, as we're going through this season, we have to keep our peace and our joy and our love walk intact as Christians. It's really important that we do that. So we looked at Holy Day or Holiday... And we kind of went through those concepts. We talked about, is it a holy day? Is it a holiday? Why do some people celebrate Christmas? Some people, we talked about that. Then last week, we did Jesus versus Santa. Um, I did get a lot of feedback from you on that. Thank you. Um, uh, Maybe we'll talk more about Jesus and Santa another time. (laughs) We'll do round two. But today, I want to talk to you about presents or presents. Now, how many like to receive presents? Either the rest of you are lying How many don't like to get presents? I'm making sure the cameras get this. Nobody raised their hand. Everybody likes to get presents. I'm not against presents. I think presents are fantastic. In fact, in Matthew 2, verse 11, we see these wise guys. They came from the east and they brought some gifts. Remember, they followed the star and they showed up at Jesus' house and they brought some very kingly gifts. They brought him some gold, some frankincense, and some myrrh. Now, I don't know about you, but have you seen the price of gold lately? <laughs> That's not a cheap gift. And, and frankincense, for those of you essential oil fans, and myrrh, those aren't cheap either. They're pretty pricey if you want to put some frankincense on your skin. And, and they're kingly gifts that they brought. And ever since that day, we've been trying to keep up with the Joneses because most of our gifts pale in comparison to what the wise men gave Jesus. (laughs) But see, God gave his son Jesus to you and I. Humans received Christ. Christ was born. He clothed himself with human flesh as it talks about in Isaiah 7. Doesn't it say that in Isaiah 7? What does it say? Let me read it. I have it somewhere. God clothed himself. Um, Here it is. All right, then the Lord himself will give you the sign. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. So God came down as a present to humanity to pay for the price of our sins. Jesus was the one who was a gift from God to us. So presents are good. That's a good present. How many say that's a good present? Aren't you glad you received Jesus? Aren't you glad God gave his son to us? Some of you aren't sure. You've all heard this question or maybe heard this post where, are you seeking God's hand or are you seeking God's face? 
How many of you, when you come home from your day and your children are there and they come running to the door and they say, what did you bring me? How many prefer, hey, I'm so happy you're home, dad? See, my kids are getting older now. They don't do that anymore. No longer is it, hey, dad, I'm so glad you're home. Usually it's, hey, dad, can you take me here? Can I have 10 bucks? <laughs> or 20? <laughs> Come on, dad, I got to get here. You need to take me here. <laughs> I want to do this. And, and you know, I, th I think I liked it better when I was young and I would get to the door and I'd get mobbed by all these little girls. Ah! We all want the best possible outcome, don't we? How many of you, when you go through life, you want the best possible outcome? And, and here's my thought, though. Too many times, we don't seek God's wisdom before we make decisions. We come over and we pray, God, please rescue me after we've made the decision. And we want him to bail us out. But I, I think it would be better if we would just spend time in his presence and get his wisdom before we make the decisions, then he doesn't have to bail us out. If we get ourselves in trouble, his word tells me that he's going to walk through it with us. He'll be with us through the storm, right? But it doesn't say he takes the storm away. He goes with us through the storm. Matthew 7, 8, ask, seek, knock. Everyone who asks what? Receives. Everyone who seeks? Everyone who knocks? So this is a, a common conversation that we have, but a lot of people use this because, God, I need this from you. Here's my petition, God. Here's my request. Here's what I was like. Here's what I would like. And we put it into a context. If you continue reading down to verse 12, you'll find in the very same context, Jesus says, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Treat others how you want to be treated. And, and what we have to understand is asking, seeking, knocking. We treat others how we want to be treated. See, this tells me that Christianity is rooted in love. It's love for others that should drive our behavior. It should drive the things that we do. Now, I know that we like to give gifts as Christians because we like to bless people. In a present, a gift, you know, it has to do with something that's given, usually in love. You know, you love people, so you give them gifts. Does anyone love someone and want to give them gifts? How many give gifts for coercion? You give gifts because you have to. Usually that's communicated in the gift. <laughs> don't we give gifts because we love people? If you, don't, if you don't give out of love, why are you giving? To save face? So you can look good? We all like receiving gifts. As Christians, we want to be able to give gifts or give presents. And I'm not opposed to giving presents. But I think what happens is this time of year, sometimes we get the emphasis or the focus off of the gifts that God has given us. And we start paying more attention to the gifts that people can give us. For instance, I don't know, three months ago, my kids started giving me lists of what they wanted for Christmas. I'm not talking about a list, one, two, three, four. I'm talking about page one, page two, page three, page four. Here's some ideas, Dad, in case you want to buy me something for Christmas. And it was a catalog. 
I think next year I'm going to say, just cross out the stuff you don't want. It'll be easier. No, you can't have a new car for Christmas. I love you, but you're not getting a car. <laughs> Realistic, right? But here's what I want to talk about, because so many times we feel as parents, friends, grandparents, that we have to give all these extravagant things that we can't always afford. So I think it's wise for us to give things that are within the budget and give things with love, not out of coercion or obligation. Okay? Now, Jesus came to earth because God loved us. It was something that he could afford. It cost him everything, but he could afford it. And then I want to switch to this. The Journal of Positive Psychology. I like that, positive psychology. But they actually had some research that I found, and it shows very extensively through the research that they've done in multiple studies. People are happier with the experience than they are the gift. So what that means, for all of you, I'll translate it. It's probably better to take a family trip and go somewhere and make some memories that will be talked about for years to come as opposed to spending the same amount of money on a present that's going to be broken or forgotten in a short amount of time. I'm not against presents, but I'm saying people tend to be happier with experiences than they do presents. So that tells me something about spending time with one another. There's something in that that we can grow from, that we can learn from. People that spend time together will be happier than people that never spend time together. How many of you have friends? Okay, the rest of you, I'm going to encourage you to start talking to some more people. The Bible says if you want friends, show yourself friendly. Introduce yourself to some people. Just start, step out of your shell. Just shake someone's hand. Introduce yourself. Start talking to people. My friend Akin will be your friend. He's everybody's friend. He's the friendliest person I know. And his gift is making people just feel comfortable. But you can be friendly. You can have more friends. Now, here's the thing. God has given us Jesus, we know this. And 1 John tells us in verse, uh, chapter 5, verse 11, and this is what God has testified. He's given us eternal life. That's a good gift he's given us. And this life is in his son. Whoever has his son has life. So if you've got Jesus in your heart, you've got Jesus as your savior, you have eternal life. Whoever does not have God's son does not have life. But there's other gifts too that he's given us. He's given us the gifts of the spirit. He's given us the word of God. He's given us forgiveness of sins, and I've talked about eternal life already. I mean, worship is a gift, really, to worship God is a gift. It brings us into his presence. But wait a second, it's a present or is it presence? I think a lot of times what people don't understand is the presence that God has given us really mean nothing without his presence, without relationship. And our drama team has done a fantastic job of communicating this, so I'm going to ask them to come out at this time and demonstrate this. <laughs> Welcome! 
Welcome everyone to WCF-TV's Christmas special. Today, we're gonna discuss how to take the crazy out of Christmas and go over some things that maybe will make your Christmas a little more festive and memorable. But before we do that, we're gonna look at last year's list of must-haves. Tree, turkey, gobble gobble, music, gifts, Colors, lights, nativity set, snow, woo, bread pudding, yum, yum. Elf on a shelf, that naughty guy. Santa's cookies, you think there's any protein in it? And Christmas movies, ooh, ooh. sitting on the couch, wrapped in the blankie, with your hot cocoa, ooh, makes Christmas perfect, but before we add anything, ladies, do you think there's anything missing from last year's Christmas must-haves? I don't think so. That list is pretty spot on. Must-haves are must-haves every Christmas season. Oh, I totally agree. It wouldn't be Christmas without those 12 must-haves. Yep, agreed. True, <laughs> but to make this Christmas more festive, Serving up a Christmas smoothie is the way to go. Your entire family will enjoy this drink with just the right amount of Christmas with the unnecessary additives, extras, and additions. And to make your Christmas even more memorable, everyone will want to go out and get their own set of Christmas eyebrows. Can you get a close up of this, please? Now, these Christmas eyebrows come in many styles. There's Christmas past eyebrows. Oh. There's Christmas present eyebrows. Those are beautiful. And the fabulous Christmas Jubilee eyebrows. Your family photos will be a treasured memory for years to come. A Christmas no one will ever forget. Those are fabulous. Oh my goodness, can't wait to get them. But before we add them to this year's list, let's call out our special guest to see if we nailed Christmas this year. Hold on to your seats. All right, everybody. Jesus, come on out. Jesus. 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 Oh, oh, Jesus. I've been right here the entire time. Oh, look everyone, Jesus is here. And he's oh. been here the entire time. We missed him too. Oh, he was sitting there so silent. Is it any wonder we missed him? Like, really? It's true. It's true. Well, Jesus, since you're the expert on the season, did we nail Christmas or what with our must-have gifts? Or are we missing anything? I think we nailed it. Nailed, nailed it! it! <laughs> you know what? I think we have everything we need for this holiday season. Don't forget to go out and get your eyebrows and your Christmas smoothie with all the unnecessary additions. <laughs> Come on, guys. Oh, until next year, everybody. Merry Christmas. Obviously, the gift of my presence isn't enough. 
helps us to evaluate what's going on in our brains and our thoughts. I am going to propose a couple substitutions. Don't need turkey, we'll just go with kibbe. Not sure who put bread pudding on that list. I like stuff with like butterscotch and chocolate chip. You know, God sent Jesus to earth. It was a great gift. But too many people never spend time in God's presence with him. And the truth is, the present is his presence. It's available to all of us. I mean, God has given us his word. He's given us the Bible to tell us about who he is and his character and how good he is. But how often do you read it or listen to it? He's given us the opportunity to have conversation with him in prayer. But how many of us actually communicate with God in prayer on a regular basis? I'm actually excited this week. A friend of mine from childhood reached out recently, and we're going to be getting together this week for lunch one day, my wife and I and his wife and him. We haven't seen each other in years. And the truth is, we were really close way back when, but we haven't talked in a long time. Could we still be friends? Sure, but it's not quite the same relationship that it was when we spent every waking moment together back in the day. How do you know what I'm talking about? But you see, with Jesus, he's always there. He's not going anywhere. Usually we walk away from him. He doesn't walk away from us. His presence is with us. And if we would simply just spend some time with him, it would change our life. I want everyone to do this with me. Close your eyes. I want you to picture yourself. You're in the presence of God. You're, in the, you're at his throne and he's right there with you. And he's communicating with you. Okay, let's open our eyes and come back before people start drifting off. But see, God's presence is there. It's available to you and me. We can be in his presence. We're the ones that have to transition. It's not some... 26 chants and four songs and read five scriptures and say six kumbayas and all of a sudden we're in his presence. His presence is with us. We just have to transition to be aware of his presence because he says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. He says, I'm a friend that sticks closer than a brother. He's always with us. I assure you, if you're not sensing the presence of God in your life, then I suggest you start going back to where he is because he didn't move. He didn't go nowhere. We choose to walk away from him. And in your life, we need the presence of God. We need his presence every day. I talked about the incarnation. I once heard someone actually say something really interesting. I don't even remember who said it. It was a long time ago. God came to our place, earth, through the incarnation. And then he took our place on the cross, because really the penalty of death was ours because of our sin. And then after he resurrected from the dead, he invites us back to his place up in heaven. So God came to our place, he took our place, and then he invites us back to his place. It's a good way to remember the gift that God has given us.
Okay. And then Isaiah 29. And so the Lord says, these people say they're mine. They honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. And their worship of me is nothing but man-made rules learned by rote. See, when we talk about present, it implies a personal encounter. It implies being in relationship with. It implies being in the connection with. It's difficult to have relationship with people when there's no presence, when you're not together. And the same is true in your relationship with God. How are you going to have a relationship with him if you never spend any time in his presence? I'm just asking. But see, a lot of people, this is your Christian service. You come to church on Sunday and then you feel good about yourselves because you came to church on Sunday. But the truth is, Jesus wants to be in your life seven days a week, all day. And people tell me, oh, I don't know, I just don't sense the presence of God in my life. It's not because he's not doing what he did. He already did what he's going to do. So what are you not doing? We have to be able to look in the mirror and say, I have to take responsibility for this. If I'm not spending time with God, if I'm not praying on a daily basis, if I'm living in active sin and I know better, why am I going to expect that I'm going to sense his presence in my life? Right? We can be frustrated all day, but nothing's going to change till you change. And the good news is in Christianity, God came to change our heart and he gave us the ability to have a new nature. That's why he gave us a new heart. So we can overcome temptation and we can overcome sin. And we don't have to stay where we were and we can spend some time in his presence and we can allow ourselves to be transformed. Relationship. Relationship with God is very important. It takes time. I mean, how many of you have met someone new in the last year? How many of you became best friends instantly? How many know normally relationship takes a little bit of time to develop? I mean, I meet people and they're like, yeah, when we first met, we fought. And then later we became friends. <laughs> Not suggesting that's a good pattern. I'm just saying sometimes relationship takes time. But why don't you invite someone out for coffee or invite someone over to your place? You know, there's a lot of people in Windsor that don't have family here. They've got nowhere to go at Christmas time. Why don't you invite them over to your place? What do you mean? It's easy. Hey, do you have somewhere to go on Christmas? No? Well, why don't you come over to our place with our family and we'll celebrate together? I'm going to say, that doesn't sound too hard. But we get caught up in the craziness of the season and we think, oh my goodness, I have to do this and 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 then we don't have time for things like relationship, which are actually pretty important. On the eve of a wedding, when I'm officiating a wedding, I usually sit the couple down for five minutes and I explain to them, hey, your big day will be here tomorrow and you've been planning this usually for months and years and dreaming about it since you were little kids. At least the girl has. But then I tell them, you need to make a point tomorrow to just enjoy the moments. And from this point forward in life, you need to make a point to stop and enjoy the moment that you're in. 
Because so many times we're concerned about what's working or not working or going how it's supposed to go or not supposed to go or what's 10 years down the road that we lose track of where we're at and we don't live present to the moment. And we have no joy and we're just stressed out all the time. That's not how we need to, just enjoy the moments. And we need to enjoy the moments in his presence every day. And for all of us, if we don't take time to enter into the presence of God and connect with him through relationship daily and enjoy the moments, we're missing out on the better part of the journey. I had a laugh last night because we were watching a family movie. It's a little different now that everyone's getting a little older, but we were watching The Grinch. But you know, even The Grinch figured it out at the end. And he says something to the effect of, you know what? It's not Christmas that I hate. It's I hate being alone. Nobody wants to be alone. Nobody wants to be neglected. Nobody wants to be cast aside. We were made for community, so why not get into the community of believers where we can actually partake of fellowship with one another? Which goes back to what I was talking about earlier. Why not hang out for an extra 10 minutes every Sunday and just talk to people? It just takes a couple minutes. Just show yourself, just go talk to some people, meet some new people, start having a conversation. Is everybody in the place gonna be your best friend? No. You know, I'm gonna burn the roast. Well, don't put the roast on the timer like that. Delay it. Instead of setting your meeting for 1235, make it for 1248. Give yourself a little bit of a window. Give yourself some breathing room. It's okay. This is how we build relationship. Invite someone out for coffee or tea. Notice I didn't say a beer. As a group of believers, one of the things that we can do is we can serve together. You know, I find that in community, when we all serve together, there's, there's actually relationship that forms. You know, Romans 7, 6, we've been released from the law for we died to it and are no longer captive to its power. Now we can serve God, not in the old way of obeying the letter of the law, but in the new way of living in the spirit. It's not about I do this and do this and do this and do this and all's good with God. It's about you have a relationship with him now and you can be free in the spirit of God. It's not about the regulation. It's about the relationship. And see, when you want God's presence in your life, you're never gonna achieve it by the things that you do. It's being who he made you to be. Do you see the difference? Because so many people try to perform all the time for God. If I, if I show up at church and I pay my tithes and I lift my hands and I shake three people's hands and I serve here and I do this, and it's all about the rule, you have to, have to, have to, have to, have to. See, for me, I wanna do what I do because I love doing it and because I love Jesus and I wanna serve him because I love him. You know, my wife's not here for this service, but I love her. So I'll make her a cup of tea every morning and bring it to her and say, I love you, good morning, here's a cup of tea, drink it. I don't do that to get her a favor, I do that because I love her. Do you see that, do you understand? We do things for others because we love them, not because we feel obligation. We serve God. Now, 
you know, how many of you, you serve in the church and you use your gifts because you have to? You know, I see the worship team up here, the drama team up here. I don't see them saying, oh, I have to go do a skit again. I have to go to rehearsal on Tuesday night so I can learn the skits so I know my lines. Have to, have to, have. I don't see them doing that. I see them saying, it's a great opportunity for me to use the gift that God has given me so that I can be a blessing to people to give them a visual illustration of what's going on in the message. See, there's a love behind the service. Jesus, when he was here, what did he do? He looked at Peter and said, Peter, if I don't wash your feet, you'll have no part of me. Jesus came to serve. And he served, even though he was the master, he served them, he loved them. And man, he even talks about, you can take a bath and be clean, but when you walk down those streets back in those days, man, the feet get dirty. Especially if you're a daydreamer looking up at the sky and you miss the donkey do that you step in. Someone's got to clean it. That was like the lowest position of the household servants was the one who cleaned the feet. But Jesus took the lowest position to serve us. Wouldn't it be just like us as Christians to take the lower position and prefer one another? Oh, this is actually really good. So you want your marriage to work? Try to outdo one another and outbless one another and outserve one another because you put their needs ahead of your own. Let God sort out the difference. He's just, he'll work it out. He has a way of getting a hold of people's hearts. Galatians 5.13, for you've been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. The whole law can be summed up in this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. We serve in love. Christianity is rooted in love. We talk about this all the time, but the truth is love is what motivates us to serve. Motivate, motivates us to put aside our agenda. Motivates us to put aside what we want and then we take on his nature. But I'm gonna tell you something, you'll have a whole easier time putting aside your agenda when you're spending time in his presence. Because the Bible says in his presence there's fullness of joy. You want joy? It's something that happens inside of us and it comes from spending time in the presence of God. But if you can't even pick up your Bible and read it and you don't spend any time in prayer, you're not spending time in his presence. You're not gonna have the joy you want. First Peter 4.10, for, for God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. There's the one another, serve. We serve. You spend time in his presence and automatically you start taking on his nature and all of a sudden there's a desire because you wanna serve others. So we use our gifts to be a blessing to other people. And then there's forgiveness. Titus 3, starting in verse 4. But when God our Savior revealed his kindness and love, he saved us not because of the righteous things we had done. See, it's not because you followed the rules. It's because of his mercy. He washed away our sins, giving us a new birth, a new life through the Holy Spirit. He generously poured out the Spirit upon us through Jesus Christ our Savior because of his grace. He made us right in the sight and gave us confidence that we'll inherit eternal life. How many have received God's forgiveness? But he's also told us that we need to freely forgive others as well. We need to release forgiveness. And sometimes that's hard to do, but I'm gonna tell you something. If you spend some time in his presence, he'll give you the ability to release forgiveness. 
Now, one of the things that I found when I was studying that I'll present to you, Exodus 25, verse 30 says, place the bread of the presence on the table to remain before me at all times. In the old covenant, in the tabernacle, or in the temple, in the inner court, there was a gold table. And every day on the, every Sabbath day, the priests would come in and they would place 12 loaves of showbread or unleavened bread. And it would sit there for the week. And I mean, the priests could eat it when they were in there if they got hungry, but every Sabbath day they replaced it. And there was 12 pieces signifying the 12 tribes of Israel. And the truth is God made provision for them. You see, even in the wilderness, what came every day for them? Manna. God gave them bread every day. But you know what? When you look at manna, you got to remember something. The people that got greedy and gathered more than they needed, what happened to it? Yeah, it went rotten and got worms. And the people that were lazy and didn't gather any, guess what happened to them? They were hungry. (laughs) So there's two extremes we see when we're looking at this. When it comes to God's provision, you can't be lazy, but you can't be greedy either. Which is why I talk about having an open hand and an open heart all the time. Because God's given us enough for our needs and he wants us to be a blessing to others. Use your gift to be a blessing to others. There's lots of people that want to serve. And we can serve even outside the four walls of this place. In fact, I encourage it. There's many people that enter into professions with the intention to be a blessing to humanity. And sometimes life gets in the way or sometimes political things get in the way. But that doesn't mean we don't serve others with a good heart. So this showbread that was there. And and here's an interesting part. Do you remember David was on the run and he goes to the priest one day and he says, hey, we're hungry. And the guy's like, well, I don't got any bread, but I got the showbread. So he goes and he gets this holy bread that no one's supposed to eat and he gives it to David. I kind of see that as God talking about, it's not about the regulation so much as the relationship. My Bible tells me David was a man after God's own heart. I think David didn't die when he ate it because he had a relationship with the creator. See, we're new covenant now. We don't have to worry about that. But see, now today in John 6, Jesus says what? I am the bread of life. You come to me, you'll never be hungry again. You believe in me, you'll never be thirsty. See, he's picking up right where they left off in Exodus. We don't have the showbread in the inner court anymore. Why? Because he lives in our heart. And the bread that we need to sustain us in life is the word of God and prayer in our relationship with him. He sustains us. He preserves us. He makes a way for us. He provides for all of our needs. You know, when we look at communion, which we're going to do shortly, we realize that the table of showbread, it kind of pointed to the ultimate sacrifice that Christ was going to make for us on the cross. In fact, 1 John 4 tells us in 9 and 10, God showed us how much he loved us by sending his one and only son to the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love, not that we loved God, but he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. But now today, are we looking forward to Jesus going to the cross? No, he was already there. We look back and we celebrate his victory over death. We celebrate that he died for our sins. We celebrate the resurrection. We celebrate with our covenant meal. That's why we do communion. So why don't you stand up with me and take your elements. And again, I'll encourage you all, don't run out the door as soon as communion's done. There's a couple more things that I would like to do today.
If you didn't have a chance to grab one when you came in, uh, feel free to ask the ushers, they'll get you one. But you know, the bread, his presence is within us now. His presence is, God lives in us. He doesn't live in a little box anymore, the Ark of the Covenant. He lives in humans. And we can take his presence anywhere we go. And in his presence, there's joy. In his presence, there's peace. In his presence, there's love. If you're lacking love and peace and joy in your life, you need to spend more time in his presence. And I'll say again, his present to us, Jesus coming to earth was fantastic. And we can partake of the present, but the truth is without his presence, you're not gonna enjoy the full benefits of the present. So Father, we look to you to provide for us all that we need today. You are our source. We acknowledge you and we look to you, the author and finisher of our faith. And we thank you that today we have a covenant with you, that today you look out for us and that we can receive your joy and your peace and that we can operate in your love at all times in Jesus' name.